What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? I welcome all of you. It is Friday, February 18th, 2022. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. You're listening to This Week in Sports, episode number 161. Again, thank you for joining the show. Last week's episode was epic. We had Priyank and Nick on the show for our Super Bowl preview and NBA trade deadline um, extravaganza. I think if you listened to us, you made some decent money. I'm pretty sure that I called that Super Bowl coming down to the wire. I was a little weary of the three and a half, four point hook there, um, but... I think I said this game could come down to a last-second score and be a three-point game, and sure enough, the Rams win it 23-20. to There's been a lot that's gone on since the Super Bowl, so I don't really want to harp on that game per se just because we all know by now the Rams won it. They, they went down that final drive. Stafford hit Cooper Cup. Eli Apple got torched both on the field, both off the field, uh, and Twitter, Instagram, you name it. He, he, he got... Uh, you know, he 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 took the brunt of it. But like I said, that that was another example of something I said on the show. I was listening back just a little bit on my drive home today, and I heard myself say that I spoke of Eli Apple not being very good. His third team in, in uh, you know a handful of years since being drafted tenth overall. So I knew Cincinnati did not have the advantage, but I also knew that Cincinnati had this uncanny ability to to basically rise from the ashes and not, you know, not get down, not get tense, not get tight, you know, when the clock is winding and things aren't going their way and they're losing as the second half came about. We saw that crazy 75-yard touchdown on the first play to T. Higgins, which should have been offensive face mask. Uh, Jalen Ramsey didn't have a great game, but in the end, exactly what happened is what I said was going to happen. The Rams' D-line absolutely dominated the Bengals' offensive line to the tune of, what, seven, eight sacks, something like that. And in the end, when it mattered most, Zach Taylor crumbled on a third and one with under a minute or whatever it was on that final drive. They could have easily gotten into field goal range. He hands off to Samaji Pirine, gets stuffed, fourth down. What happens? Aaron Donald breaks through and destroys Joe Burrow. He has to, as he's getting thrown to the ground, he just heaves a ball, has no chance, game over, and the Rams win. And Cooper Cup, who scored the game-winning touchdown, that was his second touchdown of the game. Boom. Your MVP of the Super Bowl. I did think it was a little lame that Stafford Cup and Aaron Donald chose to go to Disneyland instead of Disney World. Like doesn't everybody that wins MVP and you know the Super Bowl winning players, don't they usually go to Disney World? I know they're in California there, so that's probably why they went to uh to to Disneyland instead, but oh, come on, you know, like that that was that was rough. But uh anyway, yeah, so that's exactly how your Super Bowl your Super Bowl went, and you know what? Guess what? Jags are on the clock, okay? So now we can actually start this podcast and get into uh, the nitty-gritty of what's gone on since the Super Bowl. So let's go. Let's talk a little waste management open because that was also going on right about up until kickoff of the Super Bowl. So I didn't get any like, you know, um, 
cool bets off for the Super Bowl, your your cool props, you know, uh, your coin toss, any of that. I did see the coin toss was heads. Um, they called tails. It, it landed on heads. If I'm betting, I'm betting heads every time. Uh, ask Priyank. It's all I take in Madden. I never choose tails. We just played the other day. I actually went to overtime against him, scored with zero seconds left. D- thought about going for two, but I was like, let's just go to overtime because I usually win the coin toss. I chose heads, did not win the coin toss, but I was able to pick him off in overtime and uh, I ended up winning the game anyway. But I always choose heads. My brother uh, bet on heads and one of my coworkers bet on heads. They both won those bets. I saw that the national anthem went over the time limit, which usually I I choose over as well for that. Um, But I was locked in to this waste management open all weekend just about. I had my, you know, my brother, um, was over on on like Saturday, both my brothers just for you know a bit, and waste management was open. Uh, I, the waste management open was on television, and it was an electric atmosphere. Of course, this taking place in um in Arizona, so it was great weather, like eighty degrees there. There were fans galore. I am starting to love this. Okay, we're getting back to some normalcy. There were fans everywhere, and that sixteenth hole there at the waste management open is just. A glorious par three. Fans are screaming. It's like the only hole I've ever seen where nobody's quiet as you're hitting the ball. And we had a magical moment. My brother was there. We were watching. And we had a magical moment when Sam Ryder took the tee box and did this. here at the Coliseum on 16 at the WM Phoenix Open. This has to be a bucket list thing, right? What would you like to accomplish on the PGA Tour, a hole-in-one on Saturday? I mean, yeah, this is as good as it gets. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was more excited than he was. Just an awesome moment. I think he became just the uh, 10th player ever to ace 16 there so uh just just electric they were literally throwing uh beer water you name it onto the you know the course uh it was insane it was awesome there was literally she was not kidding when she said a rain delay because they had to get the uh the, the ushers the volunteers out there and they had to sweep away all these all these bottles and cans but it was absolutely electric he he might not have won sam rider 
but uh, this was a fun tournament. It, it really was. Uh, and like I said, some normalcy. There were thousands, I think like 200,000 people there throughout the weekend watching. It was just an awesome thing to see on television. Uh, in the end, th it, this came down to the wire. Um, you had Tigala, who this rookie, you know, coming out of nowhere, seemingly, he was in the last group um, of the tournament. He got an exception to play. He actually drove himself to this tournament. Okay, just 24 years old. And he was right there up until the end, I think 17. He went with like a hybrid off the tee box, something like that. And he pulled it a little left into the water and and he he just he he blew it basically. So it ended up coming down to uh Patrick Cantley and Scotty Scheffler. And I think it was Cantley that missed a par uh, uh that missed a putt that could have won it on 18, I believe. Um, but either way, they both they they ended up going to a playoff. And like I said, I was trying to go back and forth, making sure I didn't miss the start of the Super Bowl. Um, this thing ended up going to three playoff holes and it was finally um it, it it was scotty scheffler that won it on the third playoff hole let me see if i've got that audio um of him winning let's see if i could quickly pull that up uh here we go maybe one more right here ted scott and scotty scheffler Uh, yeah, so that was for the win there. That was actually a pretty decently uh, long putt. Um, and 25 years old, Scotty Scheffler, just 25 years old. He wins the WM Phoenix Open. So that was a really good time. Um, we're getting into that time of year, like golf is starting to take off. I cannot wait to get back out on the course. Um, I haven't played in a while. My dad's been trying to get out there Um on and off, you know, when he can, he's nuts. He plays, you know, in these ridiculously 30 degree, you know, days, snow on the ground, sand, sand traps, hard as a rock. Um, but not me. Um, I'm more of a prima donna. I need that spring weather. It needs to be, uh, above 50 for me to play. Although I did play on, uh, Thanksgiving day with my brother and it was kind of cold out there too, but that was fun. But no, since, since that last day that I played, I've since, uh, bought a couple couple of extra clubs. I bought a 60 degree lob wedge finally. Uh, really nice. Pick that thing up. And then I just recently bought, I've been dying for this club for about a year now or so since I got my new TaylorMade SIM uh, set. Um, the, the UDI uh, Sim Max three iron, I believe it's called the the ultimate driving iron, the three iron. I don't have a three iron, obviously. I have four, you know, through pitching wedge and then my other clubs, um, my gap wedge, lob wedge, whatever. And I I just don't hit well with a three wood or five wood, and I don't like the hybrids from my old cheap set. So uh, throwing those out and. I picked up the three driving iron. I'm chucking the five wood. And eventually I would like to get a three wood, um, the TaylorMade Simmax three wood. I would love to get it, but it's ex not only is it expensive, I just don't know that I would use it a lot because I'm not very good off the ground for some reason with just not consistent enough with the three wood, uh, which if I really want to elevate my game, I probably need a three wood. But again, I've seen videos of guys at the simulators hitting this UDI three iron and they're, they're carrying this thing like 240. Um, you know, so 
I'm not that far off. I'm watching Brooks Kepka and these guys hitting eight irons, like 185 or so. And, you know, Brooks is a jacked dude, okay? I'm 5'4", 120 pounds, maybe 125. Um, but I have great swing speed and I can hit an eight iron about 145, maybe 150. That's not far. That's not terrible compared to somebody that's in Brooks Kepka's, you know, league, um, a professional. So I think that's pretty damn good. And, you know, I can, you know, drive the ball decent, you know, between uh, it, when I really hit a good drive, I can get probably, you know, with some roll, uh, 260, 275. I've hit some that, that have gone 300 yards. Um, and I've gotten extremely, extremely consistent. That's the fun thing about golf. If you are consistent off the tee box, if I could consistently hit a 240 yard, 250 yard drive or so in the fairway or, you know, straight enough, you're talking a par four, your next shot. You, you should have no trouble getting onto the green or at least having the, the, the enough distance to get onto the green. Because when I, nothing's worse than when you hit a uh, drive and you, you know, you, you, you either skull it or, or whatever, and you miss hit it. And now you're talking, you barely got onto the fairway, like you dribbled it out there. And now you're like well over 250 to the green. And you just know, like I, I me I, that in, in that case, what I do is I just take a four iron and I'm like, all right, I can probably hit my four iron. I can most of the time when I really hit it, get it around 200 yards, depending, you know, on the, the landscape of the hole. And it's just not enough. So I'm hoping with this three iron, because normally you would take a fairway wood, three three wood, five wood. I just can't hit those clubs. They just stay low and they run on the ground and I don't get the distance out of them. So with this three iron, I'm very good with my iron game. I'm hoping, this is a driving iron now, I'm hoping I could hit it about you know 240 and give myself a chance. So this to me will just help elevate my game and then the uh, lob wedge, the six degree lob wedge. I know they're hard to use. I've never had one, but I'm excited about it because I I lack that control around the greens where that short game. I always I can never get my 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 ball that enough backspin where it stops, and it just always I roll past the green um, or past the hole by too much. And I'm hoping with this lob wedge that I can you know it will help hit more like flop shot type type of uh, shots and and get it the ball to stick around around the green more so uh, hopefully that will help bring my score down uh, a couple notches because you know when I want to when I'm consistently playing I could shoot in the mid to high 80s um, and I want to get that number down by the summertime when I'm playing more consistently now um, yeah by end of summer I don't see why I can't be hitting in the low the low 80s to high 70s. And I know my dad's going to be listening to this and just absolutely laughing, you know, his ass off. But um, he he's he's in for a rude awakening, as are both of my brothers. Um, my brother had shoulder surgery not too long ago, so I don't think he'll be playing anytime soon. But hopefully he can he can, you know, get back into the swing of things by like, you know, by summertime should should be good. Um, so so that that'll be fun when we when we all get out there and we're playing again together. Uh, that's always a good time. So, yeah, if you don't play golf, you know, I really recommend picking it up. It's just a fun it's a fun sport. It's a frustrating sport, but it's nice to be out there in the uh open air just playing riding around on the golf carts is it's a great time so uh yeah i look forward to that 
Okay, Israel Adesanya defends his title rematch with Robert Whitaker. Remember, we talked about that towards the very uh, end of uh, last week's episode. Um, Adesanya, I mean, I don't really know that there was much question here whether he was going to win this rematch. It did go the distance. It went the full 25 minutes. But, of course, in the end, Adesanya got the W. I mean, is anybody better than Bruce Buffer? Are you kidding me? Really? People might argue that The Rock showing up to kick things off at the Super Bowl might have been better, but uh, that outfit was a little suspect if you ask me. But no, Bruce Buffer, if you couldn't understand that, uh, Israel Adesanya, they call him the style bender. Okay, that's his nickname. So, you know, he gets it done and, and, you know, uh, defense the title there. Um, we've got to jump over to the NBA and I've got to give you, um, I've got to, you know, bow down to the new king of the NBA mid range right now. Nobody realizes what's going. People are talking about, uh, Jokic, uh, you know, the reigning MVP, they're talking about him repeating and winning his second MVP in a row. And then they're talking about Joel Embiid, the renaissance year he's having. You know, of course, no Ben Simmons there. They just picked up Harden, yes, but he won't play till after this All-Star break. But what Joel Embiid has been doing has kind of put him in as the new front runner possibly for this MVP. I do believe that Harden coming there will take away from him a little bit. So I, I I'm not I don't believe that that Joel Embiid is going to win MVP. But there's one guy that if you're not really closely enough paying attention, you're missing it. And he is setting the world on fire and he's setting NBA records. Never been done before in the association, okay? And that is my man, DeMar DeRozan, okay? This man has been on a few teams now. Okay, he went to San Antonio and was kind of the lone wolf over there. That team wasn't that good. And so you really didn't pay attention or really see what he was doing. But my goodness, since he has come over to Chicago, since the Chicago Bulls have revamped, retooled, and reloaded this team with cats like Zach Levine, um, with, with with just just guys, you know, Zach Levine, of course, he's been hurt the last bunch of games and, and whatnot, but uh, they they have retooled this team, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and they've basically got a big three with uh, uh, Vucevic as well, who's on my fantasy team, who is the 10th, ladies and gentlemen, the 10th ranked player in fantasy basketball. And I got him in like the second or third round. Uh, just absolutely amazing value. Um, so I'm stoked about that. DeMar DeRozan's actually the 11th ranked player in fantasy, even though I believe that he should be the front runner for MVP right now. He's 11th ranked in fantasy. That might have a little something to do with uh, missing games here and there and whatnot. But what this man has done 
is impressive. And yes, he's going to have to do it for longer stretches and pretty much the rest of the season. But let me just throw something out there, okay? DeMar DeRozan, just the other day, right their last game before the all-star break because we're at the all-star break now the celebrity all-star game i was watching that while eating dinner a couple hours ago it was absolutely horrible to watch on television um but that's an i'll get to that later anyway demar derozan final game before the all-star break his seventh straight DeMar derozan is a small forward for the bulls okay i have no idea why siri was just activated but anyway, DeMar DeRozan just poured in his seventh straight game. Listen to this. Seventh straight game with 35 points while shooting 50% 50 or better from the field. Oh, my God. Not only is it the longest streak in Bulls history, Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan played for this franchise. And this is now the longest streak in franchise history. It is also the longest streak in NBA history. He just passed the great Wilt Chamberlain, who had six straight games of 35 or more on 50% or better shooting from the field. Just absolutely redonkulous and it gets better it gets better my man demar derozan has made 259 mid-range shots this season that is by far number one in the nba the next closest is devin booker with 156. DeMar DeRozan has 103 more mid-range makes than anyone in the NBA. Let that soak in for a second. That is the most staggering stat that you will ever hear. We are at the all-star break, the halfway point in the NBA, and he has 103 more mid-range shots made than anyone else. He's on pace to make the most mid-range shots by a non-big since Kobe Bean Bryant in, two, in the 05-06 season. Mic drop moment right there, ladies and gentlemen. It's unbelievable. How this man is getting no love for MVP. Watch out in, in the second half of this season because the Chicago Bulls are tied with Miami Heat atop the Eastern Conference. They are tied for first atop the Eastern Conference. And I do want to say that I think Brooklyn and Philly will make some runs here in the second half with that trade that they made. And as Durant gets back in the second half, um, I'm really Every day I'm looking for, to see what the status is of Joe Harris, but Seth Curry has looked good. Um, these guys have looked good. So I do think the Nets will make a run out of the, the doldrums of that play-in. They'll probably get up there to the five or four seed. I don't know if they'll really push for one of those top three seeds, but that's fine. Um, let the Nets get a road a, a road series um, to start the playoffs because that means more Kyrie Irving. But yeah, what DeMar DeRozan is doing is redonkulous. Sticking in the NBA, uh, it's been a crazy season, okay? Like I said, we're at the All-Star break now, but just a couple of days ago, the Celtics 
beat the 76ers 135-87. to This was actually Harden's first game on the bench since being acquired by Philly, and it was an absolute torch job by Boston. Actually, I saw a stat that Harden's last game with the Nets where he was present, a blowout against Boston, and same thing here, um, a blowout by Boston. Just ridiculous. This win gave the uh, Celtics nine wins in a row, a team that started at the bottom of this conference and talking about blowing it up with Jalen Brown and, and uh, Jason Tatum. And now they're kind of, they're kind of, you know, they're at that moving stage now going into the second half. I think they're in the sixth spot right now. Um, they're definitely probably going to get in. They might not move much. Uh, they might stay right there at the sixth spot, but they're, 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 they're really killing it right now. But unfortunately they win nine in a row beating Philly. And then what do they do the very next night on Wednesday? They lose to the Pistons one twelve to one eleven. That's just been the NBA. Um, that's why I'm waiting for the second half to kick things off, get Durant back, get some of these guys back, um, throughout the league. Um, and then I'll start betting again because it's been very, very, very unpredictable thus far in the first half of, of the NBA. Okay, I could have led with this. I was thinking about leading with this, um, but we're at the point now where March is around the corner, right? And what does March bring? It brings March Madness. It brings the NCAA tournament, the greatest sporting event, not named the Super Bowl in North American sports, right? Right. So anyway... That leads me back to my team, my school, my alma mater, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, doing the unthinkable. They started the season with a couple wins, playing some lowly D1 teams, you know, 1AA teams. Then they lose to Lafayette. They lose to UMass. I think they lost like four in a row. And their NCAA tournament hopes are just slipping out of their hands. After that historic run last year, they get the 10 seed, they knock off Clemson, they come within a Miles Johnson missed dunk, in my opinion, of, they they blew that game against Houston, of beating a Final Four team in Houston. I, I am, there's no doubt in my mind, I am convinced that if Rutgers would have won that game against Houston, Rutgers was going to the Final Four. And then you come into the offseason after that, first NCAA tournament since 92 or 91, and all of a sudden, three star players on this Rutgers basketball team enter the transfer po transfer portal. Miles Johnson goes to UCLA, thinks he's hot shit now, hot stuff, right? Goes to UCLA, can really barely get off the bench. Um, although he had a good game recently um, against, I think, was it Arizona? Somebody. Um, Jacob Young left to, I think, Oregon. I haven't seen what he's been doing over there. And then you had. Um, Montez Mathis, who left to St. John's. Well, guess what? Screw them all because this Rutgers team doesn't need them. They have done something that has never been done in the history of NCAA basketball. Unranked Rutgers has won four straight games against ranked teams. Four straight. Oh, my God. Jay Billis ranked them at 60th in his most recent rankings of the top 68 teams and has them on the bubble 60th after they just knocked off number 12 Illinois in a revenge game 
a revenge game in which earlier in the season they lost at Champaign by 35. You've got National Player of the Year um, contender in Kofi Coburn, who's the only D1 player averaging 20 and 10, which I believe he finished exactly with 20 and 10. But my goodness, this Rutgers team led from start to finish, and they were up by as many as 23 on the Illini. Are you kidding me? Is nobody going to start to respect this team and give them some love? And yes, at times they look like one of the worst teams in college basketball. But right now, they are playing as good as anybody in the country. Three of these wins came at home in this four-game stretch against ranked teams. One of them was against Michigan State. They blew them out by 21. This coming off a terrible overtime loss to Northwestern. They lost by one point to Northwestern. If they win that game against Northwestern, which they it was a wild game, Northwestern was just on one of those tears where they just hit a crazy amount of shots, and there's really nothing you could do. There's those games, those conference games that happens. But since then, it lit a fire under Rutgers. They've rattled off four straight against ranked opponents. Like I said, Michigan State by 21. Uh, then they beat Ohio State. That Ohio State, that was the game of the year because what happened that was at home, Rutgers, I think Ohio State was ranked maybe 15th or 14th at the time. And Rutgers, it was a very tight game all the way through. And then all of a sudden, Rutgers became Rutgers, couldn't score for like three to five minutes. And Ohio State goes on a run and Rutgers finds themselves down eight, down eight with like two and a half minutes left, whatever it was. But there was a key play in this game where Caleb McConnell, in my opinion, the national defensive player of the year in this country, I don't believe there is a better perimeter guard uh, defender than Caleb McConnell. He went on and he pulled a LeBron James and he chased down a layup and he blocked it. And what did Rutgers do? They go on a 10-0 run and win the game by two. And finish it with, I think, a block in the corner on a three. And they beat Ohio State for their second straight uh, road victory. It was, I could not believe that they won that game. So I'm like, all right, two in a row. That's that's pretty good, right? You know, what you can't complain with two in a row against ranked teams. So, I, you know, I always check, like, is Rutgers, you know, are they going to be ranked soon? Well, then they played at Wisconsin. And everybody knows, if you follow college basketball, you know Rutgers Achilles heel. They did it last year. They they got into the tournament despite that albatross of not being able to win on the road. Rutgers went to then number 14 Wisconsin. And again, they went on a late run in a close game and they beat the Badgers 73 to 65. I mean, it, it, incredible. Incredible. They get a, a huge road win. It's just, it's unbelievable. And then, of course, they come back home, and I knew this was the revenge game. We've beaten Illinois before when they're ranked highly with, with Io DeSunmu and, and Kofi and, and all these guys. And literally, this game was not close until the very end, you know, when, when Illinois was desperate. They cut it to, like, nine a couple times, and, and you you thought, like, oh, God, is Rutgers is blowing this. I will say, with about two and a half minutes left, um, there was an inbounds to Ron Harper. He stood still instead of going to get the ball. The defender came from behind and swatted it out, and they stole the ball. Luckily, they missed the layup, but Ron Harper Jr. got his hand jammed. 
I, I thought he probably dislocated a finger or something. His status for Sunday against Purdue is in question, and that scares me because if he doesn't play, granted, at times he disappears too, but his size, his physicality, um, if he doesn't play, Rutgers is probably dead in the water. Um, they've already beat Purdue. We beat them when they were number one. It was the first time they were ever number one, and Harper was the one that hit that half-court shot buzzer beater to win the game. Um, but we've got to go to Mackey Arena on Sunday. I think it's a 5 or 5.30 start. And if we don't have him, we're probably dead in the water and the streak ends at 5. I so desperately want to win that game because if we then win five straight against ranked teams, there is no doubt Rutgers should be ranked. And I'll go as far as to say they should not only be ranked, they should be ranked in the top 10 or top 15 at least. They should not be no number 25. That That's ridiculous. And, and for Jay Billis to put them at 60 and then put uh, a Northwestern team that's like 12 and 12 at number 61, th those rankings are a joke. I'm sorry, they're a joke. Absolute joke. Um, but yeah, that would be amazing. Then Rutgers has a, a tall order. They have to then play Michigan at Michigan, um, and Michigan's been on a surge of late. They, Michigan themselves just actually knocked off somebody. Uh, who did they just knock off? Michigan just knocked off Iowa, who of uh, Iowa, I think, is absolutely overrated and horrible. Rutgers held them to like 46 points. Um, they play Michigan, then they're at home against Wisconsin, at Indiana, and they finish up against Penn State at home. Now, Penn State, they lost to earlier in the season. That was a very bad game. But this Rutgers team, the stretch they're on right now, nothing from earlier in the season matters. What they're doing right now is playing as good or better than any team in the country. And it's funny because every game they play, me and my dad are like questioning, like, Iowa, my God, we were at that game. How is Iowa so bad? These don't even look like D1 players. And then you, you realize the next game, Iowa scoring 80, 90 points again. And, and then Illinois averaging like 80 points a game. And Rutgers holds them well below their average to 59. I mean, I'm starting to believe that it's Rutgers' legitimate defense led by Caleb McConnell, who has 18 or now 19 more steals than any other player in the Big Ten. He's your clear cut um, defensive player of the year in the Big Ten for sure. Rutgers is basically a game out of first place in the Big Ten. If they beat Purdue, they are basically half a game out in the conference. Rutgers sitting at 10 and five. They're uh, fifth in the conference right now. Yeah, fifth in the conference. They're uh, half a game, basically, or a game behind Ohio State. Of course, we we already beat them. So, um, you know, if they sh are to lose and, and we win, if we win this game, we're 11 and five. Illinois and Wisconsin are 11 and four and Purdue is 12 and four. So we win this game. We're basically right there, a game behind uh, or half a game out. This is literally within grasp. Rutgers could win the Big Ten. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's a serious possibility. I, I don't know how that the, they go about doing it. It's just a gauntlet um, of teams, one after the other after the other. It's six straight ranked games that they're going to be playing, or this will be five, and then um, they play Michigan, who's not ranked, and then and then they have Wisconsin again. But wow, um, they've got to win at least two more. Um, to probably, you know, secure themselves, a, 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 you know, a bid into this tournament. I'd like to see them get um, better than a 10 seed. They got the 10 seed last year. The 10-7 is always a fun matchup, but I'd like to see them do a little bit better than that. And we'll see what happens in the Big Ten tournament. This is a wide open conference this year. Uh, I think that the, the, um, the transfer portal has kind of ruined college basketball, but at the same time, I wouldn't say ruined it. 
I would say it, it even the playing field because now there are just there's no clear cut f- favorite in, in the Big Ten or or some of these other conferences. So it's a more wide open field. And yeah, Rutgers playing their best basketball of the season. And it's been extremely fun and it's been exciting. And I can't wait for Sunday, five o'clock or five thirty, whatever it is. Um, and I'm all for it. So so I'm excited. Uh, and if you're not watching Rutgers basketball, tune in on Sunday and watch because they are a fun team to to watch and to root for right now. So so yeah, let's go Scarlet Knights. Okay, uh, what was this? Wednesday night was this Rutgers game? Yeah, so Wednesday night, probably the greatest night in my life or one of the greatest nights in my basketball uh, life. And what I mean by that is not only did Rutgers uh, become the first unranked team ever to knock off four straight ranked teams, I had the pleasure of, I was so I was streaming the Nets and Knicks game on my iPad. Now, we all know the Nets had lost like, what, 11, 12 games in a row before finally beating the Kings. And I wanted to bet that game. I really did. I called it. I said Nets plus 145. It was a good bet. So anyway, they finally get over the hump. You know, Seth Curry, Drummond, they brought some life there. They were good. They get that win. Now they're playing the Knicks. And I was not I was not paying attention to this game. I'm like, I don't care about this game. Just get me to the All-Star break. It's fine. Whatever. I know it's the Knicks. This is probably Knicks fans, Super Bowl. They want this win so badly because of how, you know, pathetic their team has been this season. After going from the four seed to now, like, what are they, the 12th seed? And they are out of the play-in. They are a terrible team, proving that last year was just an anomaly. Uh, Thibodeau is probably going to get fired after this season, after being the coach of the year last year. It's just, it's laughable. But anyway, my point is, I had that going on the iPad while watching the Rutgers game, which I was wholly invested in. And once that finished up, I switched over to the Nets game. The Nets were down, ladies and gentlemen, by as many as 28 points. They were even down 18 in the fourth quarter. And I was laughing because my dad texted me like at the beginning of the game, the Knicks hit like their first six threes. They were just blowing the Nets out. Julius Randle was hitting every jump shot. They looked all world, the Knicks, right? But guess what? It's the Knicks. This is what they do. Thibodeau plays these guys into the ground and then doesn't play these younger guys late in the game. So they're, they have no legs under them and they miss every shot. Well, we get to the fourth quarter. Like I said, the Knicks were up at eight, at 18. They, they had a lead of 18 points in the fourth quarter. Before a guy by the name of a rookie, excuse me, by the name of Cam Thomas, who, by the way, is on my fantasy team. I did pick him up because I'm a smart guy. And I know he's going to lose value once these guys all come back. But a guy by the name of Cam Thomas, a rookie, who Kevin Durant basically made the franchise draft, a guy out of LSU. My man, Cam Thomas, who did not come to play for three quarters, decided to light up the garden in front of Spike Lee, in front of Tracy Morgan, in front of all the celebrities and all the Knicks fans at MSG. My man, Cam Thomas, came to play. And the Nets erased an 18-point lead, were up by three when Cam Thomas hit the dagger of the night. Instead of run, a pick and roll. Thomas, long three-pointer, puts it in! Cam Thomas from way downtown! Oh, what a shot from the rookie! And Brooklyn goes up by six with 6.8 remaining! 
and the pain for the Knicks fans here in Madison Square Garden. 16 points for Thomas in the final period. The young fella got it going. They flattened it out 1-4. No pick and roll, just you and me. Cam, old Cam, flat out getting it done. Putting on a clinic in the fourth quarter, putting his team on his back and making every right play. Mama, there goes that man. Again, he was two for 11. Two for 11, I believe, after the third quarter there from Mike Breen. And it's just got to be disgusting for Mark Jackson and these guys to to watch this stuff, what the Knicks are doing. It's laughable. Um, But just to sum up basically what it's been like over this past month to be a Knicks fan. um, The Nets outscored the Knicks 38 to 19 in the fourth quarter. Minus Kyrie, minus KD, minus Ben Simmons, practically the Nets B team. They just lost to them, okay? And the Knicks scored 19 in the fourth. I just told you, Cam Thomas had 16 himself. A rookie, 21st overall pick. Nearly had as many points as the entire Knicks team in the fourth quarter. Just ridiculous. It is the third time in the month of February And it's only February 18th that the Knicks have lost after leading by 20 or more points. They are the first team to blow three 20-point leads in the same month in the last 25 seasons. This was Stephen A's reaction, as I'm sure it was most Knicks fans' reaction. (sighs) You know, I got a good friend. That's a Knicks fan that just sent me a text message. You know what he said to me? What was it? He said he praises the Lord. (laughs) He tithes. He prays every day. He mentors kids. (laughs) We as Knicks fans deserve better than this. And he's absolutely right. The New York Knicks are a national disgrace, ladies and gentlemen. They're horrible. Tibbs. We're hearing that the New York Knicks, as an organization, ain't too fond of him these days. He might be out. I don't give a damn if he was gone tonight. Julius Randle, I'm done with him. Leon Rose, I mean, we got inmates in state penitentiaries more visible than this man. (laughs) He's the president of basketball operations. We can't find this man. They are trash. (laughs) Horrible. No KD, no Kyrie, no Ben Simmons. And you lose a 28-point lead courtesy of a rookie by the name of Cam Thomas, who's decent, probably good, 16 points in the fourth quarter. The New York Knicks are trash. Spike Lee Lee shouldn't even show up for the rest of the season. Tracy Morgan, don't go. Don't go. Nobody goes. You're horrible. I'm so done with this team. You just stink. All the excuses. Brooke, I am officially embarrassed that there is video out of me last year talking about New York stand-up. I am embarrassed. I'm not finished, Jalen. I mean, this is a disgrace. I, I, I owe 
Jay Williams a Tom Ford suit. I owe Will Bardetta whatever restaurant he wants. God knows what pair of sneakers Jalen go come up with for me to buy. What the hell you want, Greedy? I mean, they ain't got a choice. I mean, it's just horrible. Horrible. I, I'm done. I wish Nick fans boycott this team. I'm just sick of it. You lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder in double overtime. You giving up 20-point leads like it's going out of style. And then tonight... With KD and Ben Simmons in street clothes, street clothes, doing number high fiving cats. This team, led by a rookie named Cam Thomas, comes back on y'all in a races, a 24, 28 point. I am done. I don't want to go to the garden. I don't even want to drive by the garden. <laughs> I'm sick of this team. I'm done. Let me just go. done. There you have it a sickened Stephen A. Smith. And that's why he's so great because he just brings the energy. But he is literally every Knicks fan. I'm here in the tri-state. I listen to sports talk radio. They call up. They're they're talking like the the main focal points now is it's Thibodeau is starting to, his seat is getting hot. Everyone wants to blame Thibodeau. But here's the deal. He didn't want Kemba Walker. He didn't want Evan Fournier. He didn't want Cam Reddish. But this is what happens when you are the head coach. The blame is going to be squarely on you. Where is Leon Rose? He was the one brought in here as what, GM or president of basketball ops, whatever. This man has not come out and said a word. They did not make a a, a single trade. Oh, they got Cam Reddish. They didn't make a real trade at the deadline. They didn't try to dump Julius Randle's contract uh, when he's been you know, not talking to the media and hostile to the fans and this and that. Oh, yeah, sure, he's played some good basketball over the last couple of weeks or whatever in, heading into this All-Star break. Give me a break. This team is a free fall and I just love every minute of it. It could not have been a better night on Wednesday watching my Brooklyn Nets, led by rookie Cam Thomas, come all the way back down 28 and beat the New York Knicks. Just glorious. Uh, Let's real quick jump to uh, one quick point from baseball. Uh, Just ridiculous. Juan Soto, it came out that just before the lockout, I believe, that he turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract extension. It's just, it's disgusting. I heard that it's all up to the agent. The agent is doing all this, blah, 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 blah. Are you kidding me? What is going on? That that who turns down that amount of money? What do you want? You want Patrick Mahomes' money, half a billion dollars? It's ridiculous. I know he's one of the top five, probably best players in baseball. He's still very young, but really, really, three hundred and fifty million. Uh, that's it's it's laughable. I mean. Sure, like, granted, everybody is saying that in two years, in 2024, when he reaches free agency, I think he'll be like 26, that he can get a lot more. Everybody's saying Steve Cohen, the Mets, he's going to come to the Mets and get a $500 million contract. That's all well and good, but that's called taking a gamble on yourself. I have seen many, many times where that does not work. For example, a guy by the name of Ronald Acuna Jr., 
Okay, he's had some bad injuries so far in his career, but again, another young guy, one of the best players in baseball, phenomenal talent. He signed an eight-year, $110 million contract. You think he's kicking himself right now because he start he saw these guys starting to get $300-plus million contracts? You know, the Corey Seegers of the world, the uh, Mike Trouts of the world, the um, Manny Machados of the world, right? And he he settled for 110 Why? Because he wanted stability. And let's be, let's be real. Who's going to spend... Oh, $100 million in their lifetime. I mean, really, if you have to be that gaudy and spend that kind of money, you're doing something wrong. So let's not let, let's not be too greedy here because this could come back to bite him in the face. If he has a bad, bad injury, if something happens, um, he could have just cost himself a whole lot of money. Like, for example, Dennis Schroeder in the NBA, this man took a gamble on himself, decided to test the free agent market when the when the uh, Los Angeles Lakers were guaranteeing him, what was it, four years and like $80 million? This man signed a one-year deal in the end with the Celtics for, for a couple mil, and then they ended up dumping him anyway midway through the season. Oh, God. You don't want to be Dennis Schroeder in this situation. Just saying. Okay, back to the NBA. Uh... Rookie Josh Giddy, you probably don't know him. I've spoken of him uh, briefly before on the show. Became the second rookie in NBA history to record three straight triple doubles, the other being Oscar Robertson. Giddy poured in 17 uh, points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists in the Thunder's 114-106 loss to the Spurs on Wednesday. Okay, back to baseball real quick. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit here. But if you have not been paying attention this week, the trial in uh, the the Eric K trial in regard to the death of Los Angeles Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs from a few years back, that trial is commencing. A jury found Eric K, who was the former Angels communications director, guilty yesterday on two felony counts in connection to the drug-related death of Tyler Skaggs in July of 2019 in that Arlington, Texas hotel room. Just 27 years old, I believe. Kay faces a minimum 20 years in prison. That is rough. That is really rough. But if you haven't filed this trial, it's been extremely explosive. You had former players, including Matt Harvey, take the stand and testify in exchange for immunity. Harvey alleged that oh, all these players really, but it was led by Harvey, alleged that they had previously purchased oxycodone and Percocet from Kay. Harvey told jurors that he was the one that provided the Percocet, which he got from Kay, that Skaggs had in his possession the day he died. There are there are videos going back now. You look back when 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 Harvey was with the Mets 2015, they went to the World Series, the dark night, right when he was at his best. He was on the mound and his nose was bleeding. He admitted throughout this trial he was a chronic cocaine user. I mean, hello. Uh really? The the, the Mets had no idea that this guy is just snorting coke left, right, and center. I mean, come on. Does this not <laughs> does this not reek of familiar familiarity? 
Doc Gooden, I mean, Daryl Strawberry, like what what are we doing here? What the, the Mets just look the other way when things are going good. And of course it showed because Harvey, after 2015, his career has tanked. Um, and although he's immune to criminal charges in, in, in this case, and he testified, he's a pending free agent that pitched to an ERA over eight last year with what the Orioles. Good luck getting signed by any team once this lockout is over. Good luck, because not only that, he could also face suspension by MLB, and they probably should suspend him. Just, it's an insane, uh, the trial was insane, so if you haven't followed it, go check it out. I highly recommend it. Just very explosive stuff, and it makes you it makes you wonder, these players, these athletes make millions. It is readily available. If you work for a team and a, and a high profile player is, you know, telling you, you know, or asking you to get drugs for them. Uh, I mean, it's wow. It's just in- incredible. Um, the Lakers were hit by another injury. Anthony Davis, he cannot seem to stay on the, on the court. He was diagnosed with a mid foot sprain yesterday and will be out at least four weeks. He landed awkwardly. I I saw a picture of of the way he landed. Just totally, his ankle bent. He landed right on it. Um, This was during their win over the Jazz on Wednesday. The Lakers are just in a free fall right now. Um, They couldn't move Russell Westbrook at the All-Star break. They really didn't make any trades. They have just a 27-31 and record. Um, Just not good. They are still in the mix, though, in that play-in. A lot of under 500 teams out in the West in this play-in right now, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, uh, All-Star break couldn't come fast enough for both the Nets and the Lakers, if you ask me. Okay, let's talk a little MLB lockout because just this week, a few days ago, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report to spring training, and of course, that did not happen. Well, what what's the latest? MLB... And the players met for a whopping 15 minutes over Zoom yesterday. This is what's going on. These negotiations are lasting mere minutes. They're all taking place over Zoom. But Jeff Passan has some light for us at the end of the tunnel. They're likely going to start meeting again soon um, in person, possibly every day beginning next week. Here's what uh, Passan had to say. Major League Baseball Players Association presented really one main economic item. They've been standing firm on arbitration for players after two years. Currently, it's three years, and they came off of arbitration for all players and are requesting it for 80%. At the same time, the bonus pool for pre-arbitration players that they've been negotiating, they actually raised the number on that from $100 million to $115 million. Major League Baseball is at $15 million. Now, so if you want to illustrate where we are in this moment, I'd say that hundred million dollar gap between the parties on that one subject alone is a pretty good sign of how these negotiations have gone. Okay, so you know, take that for what you will. Um, if they don't get a new CBA done by the twenty eighth, which that's ten days away now. The season likely won't start on time. And they also announced that they are postponing the start of spring training games, which were set to start, I think, March 5th. So not looking good, but hopefully they ramp these negotiations up and they get a deal done because nobody benefits. And I mean, nobody benefits from a lockout. 
All right. Uh, a video of the Super Bowl parade went viral yesterday. It might have been like two days ago, but it started to really make the rounds yesterday of a photographer falling off a stage. Okay, so here's the backstory. Matthew Stafford and his wife were up on this stage. Um, story goes, they handed this NFL photographer. She's a well-known NFL photographer. Um, they handed her their phone, one of their you know phones to take a picture of them. So she starts to step back, you know, to, to take the picture and boom, she falls off the six foot stage and Stafford, uh, there's video of him. He's, he was definitely drunk speaking all this stuff. So I don't know if he was drunk at this time. He, he, he's like holding a water bottle and his reaction was terrible. He goes like, Oh crap. Or, Oh my God. And then he just turns away and like walks away, like wants no part of this. Meanwhile, his wife, she had the right reaction and she's like, oh my God. And she runs over to try to see if she's okay and to help her. It was a bad, bad look for Stafford. He was probably drunk, probably didn't really know what was going on. Um, we later found out the woman, Kelly Smiley, like I said, a well-known NFL photographer, she actually fractured her spine fractured her spine, but she did later post that she was doing well. She stayed overnight for monitoring. Um, the Rams and the Staffords have since committed to pay her hospital bills. And, uh, they said they're going to pay for a new camera. She might've maybe had a camera on her shoulder that, that fell and, and broke, um, during the fall, but yeah, just a scary situation. Um, I guess it could happen to anyone. And as we all know, in the words of Mike, Tyson. Spinal. I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back is broken. What a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. <laughs> One of the funniest lines ever from Mike Tyson. Spinal. Uh, just funny there. But no, she should be okay. So that's good that everybody, you know, is okay from this situation and she's gonna be taken care of. So uh we wish her the best in her recovery. Okay, NBA All-Star Weekend is officially upon us. Like I said, I was making dinner watching the Celebrity All-Star Game, which I'm sorry, it was so unwatchable. They started off with a four-point challenge, and it was Anderson Verjao for like Team Luke Walton and um, Miles Garrett for uh, 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 Dominique Wilkins' uh, squad. The All-Star Weekend is in... Cleveland. So a lot of Cleveland uh, celebs in this thing. So Vera Zhao, who is a obviously played for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Miles Garrett plays for the Browns. So they had this four point uh, shot, which was from the top of the key. It's like a Steph Curry type three. And you had like, I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute to make as many as you can. Vera Zhao made two and I think um, Garrett made one. So then they started with four points. Uh, so they had a four nothing lead. It was then four four back and forth. It was so bad. Some of these celebrities, just so bad. Machine Gun Kelly, just terrible. Um, just, oh my God. But I will say this, Anderson Verjao, I'd be surprised if he doesn't win the MVP. He started to dominate late in that second quarter from what I was watching. But Miles Garrett, that man, I know he he's a, a, a friggin' beast on the football field, but you see him with shoulder pads and stuff. On a basketball court, this man looked like Hulk. 
He looked like a mini Hulk. That's how big he was. And there was one play where he was driving to the rim and some poor woman, uh, I don't know who she was, she got in the way and thought she was going to like defend him. Luckily, he just like lost the ball out of bounds. But my God, woman, get out of the way. You're going to get steamrolled. Woo. Anyway, nobody really cares about the Celebrity All-Star game. It's fun for a minute and then it's not. Um, so tomorrow is where is what we really care about. We have the, of course, Taco Bell skills challenge and the uh, Mountain Dew three-point contest. This one's a little weird. It, 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 uh, we'll start with the skills challenge. It, it's very unique. They've broken it down essentially into like three tiers or three teams. Um, you've got, like I said, it's in Cleveland this year, so they decided to go with this Cavs team. You've got Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and the rookie Evan Mobley. Then there's now I don't think they're they're like this is like teams I think I still think it's individuals um competing I don't quote me on this but it, it that's what I would assume um then there's the second team which is the Atenacumpos that's Alex Giannis and Thanasis um Giannis and Thanasis are obviously on the Bucks Alex is a part of the Toronto Raptors G League team if you guys didn't know that. And then finally, you have the Rooks team led by Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, and Josh Giddy. Of course, after the skills challenge, like I said, comes the Mountain Dew three-point contest. That's my favorite. Um, participants this year, this is a fun one because this is, I, I, I'm torn. This is anybody's to win. You have Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Zach Levine, CJ McCollum, Patty Mills, the big man himself, Carl Anthony Towns, who claims to be the best big man shooter of all time. I roll there. We'll see about that. Then you've got Fred Van Vliet and Trey Young. Here's what's interesting. I think a number of guys can win this. Um, Patty Mills and um, Fred Van Vliet are the betting favorites at plus 450 from what I saw from CBS Sports. Interesting. Um, I'm a, obviously Nets guy. Patty Mills is one of the, the top three-point shooters in the league right now. In fact, um, I don't know if he's leading in three-point percentage. Let's see who's leading in three-point percentage, at least between these guys. Let's see. Uh, three-point percentage would go to P.J. Tucker. He doesn't really count. So Luke Kennard is second, 44.8. Um, let's see who's next. Patty Mills is 10th at 41.9. Desmond Bain is 11th. They have the same. Um, Towns is, is there, 40.9. And then the rest of the guys aren't even on this list. So what, what's interesting about this is I think a sneaky bet I don't think it's sneaky, actually, but Zach Levine is interesting to me because when he gets going, he has a nice pure stroke. And I really, really want to throw some money on Zach Levine at like plus 600. But here's the problem with Zach Levine. This is now what his, I think, third time or fourth time competing in this event. And he's never once won or made the finals, but he does have the experience. So I might throw something on Zach Levine. Um, as like the obvious choice, because come on, third, fourth time's got to be the charm, right? Um, he did come within like one point of making the finals uh, one year, but he's done it in a couple years in a row. So there's Zach Levine. Um, I wouldn't discount like a Patty Mills just because I'm a Nets fan. I'm rooting for him. Towns is plus 1,200. It's intriguing, but he just doesn't shoot nearly enough threes as these other guys. I can't, I, I can't see it. But again, like I said, this is this is an intriguing list of uh, of competitors because I, I would not one thousand percent be shocked if anyone wins. And I honestly have to say, Luke Kennard is a scary one. 
I think this guy could win. I think he's a dark horse to win this. Um, I really do. I, the one guy I'll say that probably doesn't win is CJ McCollum. Just because he's more of a mid-range shooter. Yes, he shoots threes and he can make them, but I just feel like he's a better mid-range shooter and I don't foresee him winning this. Trey Young could easily win it. Um, he's a sort of create your own shot type of guy like Steph who's won it. So again, any one of these guys can win. Your guess is as good as mine, but this is a fun one because everybody's at least plus 450. So there's very good odds on all of these guys. So you want to throw some money on a couple guys, you're going to win if, if one of them hits. So that should be fun uh, as usual. And then of course, on Sunday, we have the all-star game, which really, um, is, doesn't do anything for me. I'll, like I said, be watching the Rutgers game, which will transition probably into that all-star game. And then of course it's president's day weekend. So we, everybody should be just about off on Monday, which is a nice needed three day weekend, um, to rest and relax. So I'm looking forward to the weekend. Um, football's now over. The Jags are on the clock. So this should be a fun little all-star weekend break. I can't wait. And that's pretty much all I've got. Final thoughts. Um, on this date in sports, February 18th, 1997, Scottie Pippen scores a career-high 47 points in a win against the Denver Nuggets. And that's pretty much all I have for you guys. It's a little bit of a light weekend. NBA's on a little break. If you don't care for the All-Star weekend, hit up your Netflix. Um, there's some good sports specials. Go watch Man in the Arena. Uh, I just saw on Netflix, as I was helping my sister set it up in the other room, I just saw a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I might have to hit that up tonight or tomorrow. Um, I might go play some video games with the boys right now. Um, and that's about it. Hope you guys enjoy this, this this weekend. Weather wasn't great. It was raining nasty all night into this morning and very windy. But hey, I plan on staying inside most of the weekend and just watching some TV, relaxing, watching uh, tomorrow night's slam dunk competition, all that good stuff, right? And then, yeah, I didn't even talk about the slam dunk contest. Um, I'm not even sure who's in it i know a couple guys that are in it let's see um it's been getting worse and worse just saying but let's see who's in the slam dunk let's see um is anthony edwards in it all right let's see let's see the slam dunk contest for 2022 we have got Jalen Green is in it. See, this is why I didn't want to talk about it because nobody good is in it. Jalen Green. Oh, yeah, Cole Anthony was the one I saw. Cole Anthony is a guard on the Magic, whatever. Um, Obi Toppin is in it. I think he's a sneaky pick. I might actually throw money on Obi Toppin. Juan Toscano Anderson. Like, this is such a bad slate of guys. I'm sorry. Um... That's it. Jalen Green, Juan Toscano Anderson, Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony. That's it. That's who's in your slam dunk. Yeah, Obi Toppin's got to be the favorite here. Um, Obi Toppin will win this slam dunk competition for sure. So, okay, now it wraps it up. So enjoy. Tomorrow's the night. Forget the all-star game itself. Tomorrow is the night, the skills challenge, the three-point contest, and the slam dunk competition. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen,
Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the day off on Monday if you have it. I'm the Pody, signing off. I'll see everybody next week.